Hello, today I wanted to speak about, uh, again, you know, like always I speak in some way or another about sensing, you know, our deep embeddedness and non-separability with the more than human world. And today I wanted to in particular speak about, uh, you know, that we are truly entangled with everything, not only with the beautiful and with the lovely, but also with the ugly, the broken and the messed up. And, you know, that came to my mind particular over the last days, you know, as these wildfires have erupted in Maui, like about 10 days ago it is now, it was on the 8th of uh, August. And how, you know, the devastation which has been erupting, you know, is like a coming together of so many factors and many of them are really, you know, influenced by the way we have been conducting ourselves in the last hundred years or so. I've been, you know, listening to some of the interviews with people who lived there since a long time on Democracy Now! actually, and learned a lot about, you know, how the mismanagement has been going on, the mismanagement of the land for so many years. And now finally, you know, it has all converged onto this huge fires where up to now more than a hundred people have been counted as, as dead, you know, and many have are still missing. And uh, and then there were like some live interviews, you know, with, uh, for example, a father of five small children and his wife, you know, how they had to run into the ocean and then holding on to a plank of wood and, and being in there for a very long time until it was safe enough to come out again. And it was almost impossible to breathe. So it was like so heart wrenching, you know, because in the beginning he was very composed as he spoke. And then over the minutes, you know, of that interview, he, he, he became more and more kind of disjointed how he was speaking. And then he just started crying at the end. It was very powerful you know, to, to, to really be there. And, you know, I have recently been uh, in contact with a group. They are called the Pocket Project, you know, and they are giving sessions on what's called global witnessing, where we are, you know, looking at a bit of news and at the same time, you know, make that a, a practice, really, a fully embodied witnessing of what the cultural narrative has produced you know a full embodied witnessing but not doing it alone but doing it together with others so really fully connecting with what's going on in ourselves you know like on the mind level on the emotional level on the body level and also on the relationship level, you know, how are we able to stay in relationship what we are seeing on the screen? And this kind of a practice is what the world needs right now, I think, you know, to this true willingness, you know, to stand on the threshold of the narrative, which we have been, uh, you know, wedded to for so many centuries, we, how it is, basically, uh, you know, grumbling in front of our eyes and 
you know, allowing that to consciously crumble and looking into the cracks of the narrative crumbling and seeing what wants to be born, what wants to come through. I think that's a really powerful practice to do in community together and seeing, you know, what are the barriers, what are the edges which get highlighted when we are doing something like that. You know, how stressed are we? And what are we bringing to what we are seeing, you know? So to build that capacity to connect by sensing and feeling into our own uh, being as we are watching this. And, and in that way, you know, we are building capacity to connect and also become more alive, you know, because certain protective um, assumptions and, and stories are just starting to open up and it's like an update, you know, receiving an update which can then really become part of our practice, of our work, of our action. And one needs to do it carefully, you know, and needs to do it uh, in small portions maybe, but it's a very powerful practice which, you know, is pretty new. I haven't heard much of that before. And it's called global witnessing. And it brings up fear, of course, but fear is okay, you know, because we are not alone in it. And we need each other for, you know, we are mammalian uh, animals you know we are mammalian species called human being and we need each other for safety and we need each other for action so community is really crucial and we are you know basically coming to the end of a hyper individualistic narrative as we are recognizing you know that if we are not cooperating with each other because of the fact that we are mammals then we're not going to pull through that uh, breaking down of our systems. We need to stand in this together and be changed by it. And, you know, yesterday, Marianne and I we were going on a walk. I have a very beautiful um, uh, loop through a woodland here, which is about an hour, and they are doing wildfire uh, protection work and there's about 600 goats there in the forest you know jumping away at the grasses and everything it's like amazing and we were you know what we were watching is that there's a fence is only on one side on the other side you know there is they're not kind of completely fenced in in a in a, in a rectangle there's fences only on one or two or three sides but the one side up into the forest is actually open because they stay together anyway you know because they are they need each other they're like pack animals or herd animals and that was really amazing to see they would all stay together anyway because it's for safety really because they could be hunted you know by other animals and I think, you know, we have to also take advantage of that natural instinct, you know, that if we are working together, there is more capacity for opening up, you know, because of the sense of safety it gives. And, 
You know, if, if, for example, a human baby isn't touched after it is born, this is like extremely detrimental for the development of the baby to be touched, you know, to be looked in its eyes, to be spoken to. But first of all, to be touched and feel that skin to skin contact, you know, and then later on to just, you know, the benefits of knowing that we are not alone in this can give us a lot of courage and can open up you know, resilience in ourselves we didn't really know we had. So I really think that's one of the really important things we can um, align ourselves with in this time, you know, where we have to field a lot of unprecedented information. And also, you know, really knowing that in the midst of it all, we already have what it takes. We just need to develop the potential, you know, which is part and parcel of the human birth. And today I wanted to share with you a guided meditation on what's called the five indrias or the five spiritual faculties which are already inherent in our being and we can choose to develop them through formal practice, meditation, but also through walking our talk, you know, through really acting on what we know to be true and through really integrating our insights in our lives. Because the, the path is made by walking, you know. Today, there's a lot of speaking about emergence. It's just the same thing. You know, the path is made by walking. As we are walking, the next stepping stone emerges. And this is how we can actually work together with the Dhamma. And even the most difficult situations, such as, you know, being waking up to a wildfire, People have been totally taken by surprise. You know, there were no warning signs at all. They just felt the heat of the fire. So, you know, if there's nothing left, no more, no, no more options left, we can still walk the Noble Eightfold Path in the midst of it all. And we have what it takes, you know. We have those five spiritual faculties. And we have, you know, at least a, a small circle of other human beings which are on the same page. This is, you know, where we start from and we start walking in the right direction and we don't know what's going to happen next, but we know that we are walking in the right direction and that is very precious, you know, when there's so much confusion and so much uncertainty yeah? so you know let us find a posture we can sustain for 35 minutes or so And just being here in that space, not only receiving, but also contributing to the space. 
by listening, you know, with our full selves, being really here fully in the body and knowing that the body is also an instrument for listening in a different way. And we don't have to work hard. We just allow the breath to take us into the body and allow the nervous system to guide us by sensing another gravity. How we are one with the planet. There are no real boundaries. So it's all about, you know, not thinking about the body and the world and the biosphere, but sensing it. There's a total difference. You know, not splitting up the energy into the head, but just allowing the body to be felt fully or as fully as we can. From the top of the head down to the toes and the fingertips. And then beyond that, the soil underneath where we are sitting, and the living land. <coughs> and building the capacity to connect, which is our you know, evolutionary assignment to rebuild the capacity to connect with our sensory experience. And deepening that sense experience. So we don't feel so disconnected, don't feel so alone, but have an intuitive knowing of our deep connectedness with everything. Our embeddedness in this much more than human world because of our bodies being part of it being totally dependent on it, not separate from it. So now I'm going to go over the five spiritual faculties and uh, 
you know, starting with uh, shortly reflecting on our motivation, what brought us here today into this session. Just uh, remembering your aspiration or inspiration for that coming today. What is that something, you know, which made you turn towards coming today? And this is the first of the five faculties, which is Sada in Pali. And the translation would be conviction or faith. That there's something which wants to be known. And in the Buddhist context, we call it the Dhamma. So sada or conviction. So alone by just showing up, you already have that. That's the first faculty. And then, you know, if we are pointing the mind to the present moment experience, We need energy for that. Perseverance, that's the second one, virya in Pali. Like a sense of agency, you know, which uh, goes past all obstacles so that we can be here today. So conviction and energy, the first two. And by really, you know, staying with present moment experience in the body, that is a cultivation of mindfulness, awareness, sati. That's the third spiritual faculty. The prerequisite, you know, for understanding the way things are, for understanding reality, for aligning ourselves. Otherwise, if there is no sati, the energy goes into the head, thinking in circles, you know, being caught in patterns. And uh, through the energy and the awareness, we come back into the body again and again, bringing our awareness back and, you know, letting go of those patterns, those stories, those distractions. Sometimes they're also called hindrances. And, you know, being okay with the discomfort of sensing the energy in the body because that discomfort is what makes us you know escape into the sinking so being okay with that getting used to that
<clears throat> so that's the first three. Faith or conviction, energy or perseverance, and mindfulness and awareness. And as we are, you know, staying with the experience as it is, slowly, you know, the system lets go of tension and the fragmentation disappears. It all calms down, comes together. Sense of stability, collect, collect, collectedness, balance arises. It has a certain, you know, kind of cleansing effect. And we call that samadhi or immersion. That's the fourth spiritual faculty. You're being immersed in our experience, not escaping into the thinking mind. And through that immersion in the experience, you know, if the mind is uh, staying with what's really happening right now, the mind, you know, settles and opens up by itself. It's not grasping anything. It's just fully immersed in present moment experience. Settling down, being rooted in the body and being rooted in the land through the body. And if we are really rooted in present moment experience, what becomes apparent is the fluidity and changingness of our experience in the context of the teaching that's you know called uh, anicca impermanence seeing very clearly that's how reality is it's constantly in movement And that's the fifth uh, faculty, which is called insight or wisdom panya, which is not a body of knowledge, but it's an active knowing that everything that arises ceases. So in that, you know, that inside wisdom is the result of having a sense of perspective onto our experience. 
and being not so caught in the content, but rather seeing also the context or the structure of our experience. We know what's going on, but we, we are not completely lost in it. We also know this is impermanent. This is unsatisfactory. This is empty of a self. And that gives a sense of space around the experience and then allow us to respond rather than to react. there's a, a letting go of grasping and an openness to allow something new to emerge into the spaciousness of the mind. And give room to ch for change to happen. Give room for new insights, you know, to emerge on two levels, you know, not only on the level of, you know, the what is, uh, what we call the liberating Dhamma, but also on the level of um, how we conduct ourselves in the world. You know, as the old narrative starts to fall apart, looking into the cracks of that and seeing what wants to be born. just you know encouraging the mind to not go back to holding on to those stories but just giving that space for something new to come through
you know, as we are bringing this very ancient teaching from Iron Age India into our contemporary times. And applying it, you know, to situations which hasn't been around when the Buddha was walking the earth. They were like, in principle, they were all impermanent, unsatisfactory and empty of the self then as well. But what was, you know, at stake for civilization was different than what is at stake now. As we are, you know, on a threshold of uh, the possibility of extinction or the possibility of evolution. And it's up to us. So that's a very powerful contemplation to open up to. We are, you know, part of the human species and we are all together in this and we all have agency. We can either turn towards that contemplation or think somebody else needs to do it and infantilize ourselves, you know. Oh, this is too much for me. I can't be like, imagine that I could make a difference because I'm only that small or I'm only one. And yeah, I mean, it's true, but. We all are part of the species and we all can live that limited agencies we have. And if we do that, then we do our part and let go of the result. We can't leave it up to anyone outside of ourselves. It's no president is gonna rescue us. We need to all take responsibility to the extent we can. And the first step is to consciously witness what is happening. In the amount, you know, we can digest And if we don't feel up to do that on our own, we just can come here on a Wednesday or join another group. This is like really a, a practice to update our equipment, you know, the biocomputers of our bodies and minds 
on this evolutionary threshold as you know the whole planet is giving us this powerful feedback and we just really need to take it in and that's a practice And, you know, with the in-breath, we are just sensing how it feels to be in such a body as ours, which isn't separate from the planet. And because of that, not separate from anything else in the universe. And with the out-breath, we are just relaxing into the space around us. You know, the space which doesn't end at the walls of the room we are sitting in. But it's a spaciousness, you know, which is limitless. And, you know, so listening into the space, the silence. Just noticing, you know, what a different quality of connection that is, as opposed to if we are really caught up in the thinking mind. That spaciousness which can allow things to be what they are.
And then, you know, just letting go of the spaciousness and becoming aware of that which knows about the space. Conscious awareness. It's like making a U-turn. Awareness looking at itself. It's like the mirror becoming conscious of its own capacity to reflect effortlessly. just resting as that knowing there's no object but just the subject being aware of itself and then any you know assumption of me or mine Behind that can also be let go of, dropping any remnant of ego, of I in the background, no subject, no object, just knowing, awareness. And that's your temporary liberation of the mind. And it's temporary and also impermanent, but it is a taste of the mind which doesn't cling to anything. A taste of the goal of the practice. Or like my first teacher called it uh, a little Nibbana. Just, you know, recognizing the subtle, maybe joy or subtle contentment, which is part of that state of mind, which doesn't come from getting what we want, but from letting go of anything we want. We are not special. We are not a special species at all. But there's a biointelligence in the living planet itself that is much more 
intelligent, much older and larger than what the human mind can fathom. And we call that, in the Buddhist teaching, we call that the Dharma. And we can, you know, open ourselves to a much wider context so that our perceptions and our assumptions of who we are will adjust and grow. It's an update, really, we need. Desperately, really, at this time, if we want to continue as this species. We want our children to have a place to live. And then and into this uh, openness, we can allow the ancestral wisdom to come in, all what has come before us. which has given us these very complex bodies, which have been developed over 4 billion years since the planet has started to form. We've been given all of this through having these bodies. And we can develop it further by engaging in this update which we're experiencing now and opening to it. And through that, you know, we can prepare to be good ancestors for our own species and beyond that. As you know, our power is so great on a technological level that we can take many other species down and we are already doing it. And it all starts, you know, with opening the mind and really connecting with our sense experience. That's the medicine we need to take. And it's, you know, not always easy or sweet. It's bittersweet medicine. But it does work. It's worth it.
So coming back, you know, into connection with the weight of the body on the cushion, on the chair. So trying to be a good ancestor. And just and taking our place in this long, long chain of beings which have emerged together with the planet over these four billion years. It's an amazing. vast, vast context. We are just a tiny speck in that. We don't need to carry the whole world on our shoulders, but we can do our bit. Which means you know coming into coherence with what we have been given. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.